everybody who won it. Lekker berisie, ja. I had a great holiday. I am well rested. I had some good time with family. Uh, ons het lekker gekeier um, met my familie in, in Stellenbosch. And um, rested lekker, did a lot of nothing, did a bit of camping, went to the Kirstenbosch Gardens. Uh, we even got to go on a date night, my wife and I, which is amazing. Which is a first for our holiday. My, my parents uh, babysat my kids for the first time. Um, the Lord blessed them, they survived it. Um, <laughs> and uh, all four of my kids survived, so that's, that's also good. So we're going to start off this year, we're going to be talking this month about um, first love. I usually look at the board every time because usually there's artwork, but I'll chat to Blaine afterwards. Eh? Um, so we're going to be talking about first love, and I think first love, when we talk about Jesus being our first love, I think that's a good way to start the year, right? Because um, what we're going to read about just now in Revelations is we're going to read that there's a lot of churches that do really, really amazing things, okay? And Jesus even goes to these churches and he says, hey, yes, you guys are top notch. I, I see your deeds. I see what you're doing. But you've forsaken your first love, right? And this, this just goes, this just ties in with other scriptures. Jesus also tells this story about, you know, the, there's people that are going to say, hey, Jesus, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did all these things in your name. And Jesus says to them, yeah, but I don't know you, right? I don't know you. And so for us, before we go anywhere, before we look at doing anything, before we look at starting that new business, maybe, maybe starting that new venture, maybe starting a new relationship, starting a new year, starting with those New Year's resolutions that we're going to give up on in a week's time. Amen. <laughs> before we get there, let's remember who it is all about. Amen. So let's read. You can open up your Bibles to Revelations 2. We're going to read some scripture. What is the time? It is 9.16. Oh, I almost said I'm going to have like 20 minutes to preach. Uh, now I'll preach for an hour. Fantastic. Okay. So we in uh, Revelations 2, we're going to read about three churches. There are four churches mentioned in Revelations 2, but we're going to, we're going to uh, speak about three of them. And all three of them have a pattern. So um, Jesus appears to John and he says, okay, you need to write down everything I'm about to tell you. Okay, and um, I'm going to share with you the secrets of the seven stars and the seven lampstands. And the, the seven stars are the angels of the, of the churches and the seven churches are these, the seven lampstands are these churches. Okay, I'm going to share with you something about each of these churches, I want you to write it down. And for each church, the pattern goes something along this line. You guys are good. You guys have been doing awesome stuff. I like what you're doing, okay? You guys are standing strong. strong. You're persevering. But in some areas, you've been compromising, okay? In some areas, you've been compromising. But if you conquer in this area you will receive an amazing reward. Okay? So there is, 
it's, it's the sandwich method. You ever heard of the sandwich method when you need to confront somebody, right? The, um, we use this all the time on pastoral staff. Some of you may have experienced this at some point being in this church. You're great, so you start off with a bun, then you get to the meat, but, and then you finish off with a nice slice of bun as well. Okay, the sandwich method, you get it. So this is, this is classic. Jesus is like, okay, and there's, there's two exceptions. There's one church that Jesus doesn't rebuke. You know which, one, which church that is? <laughs> well, so far. <laughs> well, almost still works here, so that can't be true. <laughs> Lol. Actually, for you, I love you. I love you. Okay. Um, and that is the, it is the church of, I must remember, is, I don't know how to pronounce it so well, it's Smarna, Smyrna, and then there's one church, like Jesus can't find anything good about them, and that's the church of Laodicea, thank you, yes, these names are hard to pronounce, eh? Um Okay. But generally, it's, okay, I see what you're doing. You guys are doing amazing stuff, but, okay, so we're going to read the first church in Ephesus. Um, You can follow with me from verse 1. To the angel, um, chapter 2, verse 1, sorry. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So this is Jesus. I know your deeds your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, cool, yeah. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you do at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the, of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Okay, so Jesus comes to the first church, and he's the one He's the one that's walking amongst all the churches. He makes that very clear. I'm the one. I hold all the seven stars, all the angels of all the churches I hold in my one hand, and I walk amongst the lampstand. In other words, so he holds all the angels, and he, Jesus, is the one who walks amongst the lampstand. That's another way of saying that Jesus is the head of the church. Okay? He's the one um, it's not Armo who is the boss of this church. Jesus is the boss of this church, right? And so, um, and Jesus comes and he says, so it's not some random dude who's going to give you this feedback. It's me, your head, your boss. I'm giving you this feedback. You guys are good deeds, okay? And you're persevering and you are, and not only that, but you are um, experiencing persecution and hardship in my name and you are persevering. Okay, and I think like sometimes we look at people they they die for their faith. You know, maybe you've heard of somebody dying for their faith in, in a in a in a country. Yes, those guys. Yes, they they are the best. They are hardcore. 
they are willing to die for their faith. And I, don't, I certainly don't want to detract anything from that. But Jesus is making the same comparison. He's saying, hey, you guys, you also experience hardships for my name. It's not like you're lukewarm Christians. Okay, it's not like you flip-flop, times get hard, you disappear. No, in hard times, you stick to my name. But I have this one thing against you. You've forgotten me, right? And this, this is very typical of very legalistic churches where we, we're so fixated on what people get wrong. Okay, look at what it says. It says, remember where you've come from, Okay. Listen to this. It says, um, uh, remember the height from which you have fallen. Okay? You yourself were once sinners. Keep in mind that you, as great as you think you are, were also once a sinner. And without Jesus, that is what you are. With him, you have life and life everlasting. But without him, you don't. Don't forsake your first love. And how do, we, how do we know somebody has forsaken their first love is the, by the way they treat other people, right? It's, it's, it's a litmus test. When we forget where we've come from, we tend to be very judgmental towards the people around us. You do this, you do this, you do that. Yeah, well, imagine if Jesus started doing that to us. We'd be in trouble, amen? Luckily, because of, of his sacrifice, our slate is wiped clean. And it is therefore not only imperative for us, but to forgive those around us, but to extend that same grace around us, right? Jesus, I want to love the people around me because you love me. I want to love because you first loved me. Amen? And now, I'm not talking about tolerating sin and things like that. And that's where we get to this. So, because it's very interesting, he says... Um, you hate the practice of the, of the Nicolaitans. So, <coughs> so Nicholas, um, there was an apostle. Nicholas was part of the early church, and he came out of very heavy pagan roots. He converted from pagan to, Ju- to Judaism, and then eventually from Judaism to Christianity. Um, but he always kept a little bit of his pagan sort of roots, and out of this one apostle branched what we call the Nicolaitans. There's not a lot of information on him, but needless to say, it was a branch of Christians that broke off, that kept ancestral worship, kept these gods. So there was this, this element of compromise. And so we must make it very clear that when we're talking about love the people around you, we're not talking about compromise, okay? We're not talking about um, tolerate sin, because what, what Jesus is saying is that I commend you essentially for hating sin. Okay? So it's not, we're not talking about compromise. We must make that very clear. But it is about loving people. Not their sin. Not what they're into. Not what they, not what they, what they tolerate. But we, it is imperative that we love especially the body of believers. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the church of Pergamum, so we're going to skip ahead to Revelations 2, uh, verses 12. So listen to this. To the angel of the church of Pergamum writes, These are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live. Okay, so usually when you hear the term double-edged sword, 
That is a, a, a reference to the judgment of Jesus. Okay, so to the first church, Jesus says, I'm the one that walks amongst you. I am the head of the church. I am your boss. Okay, he's saying to this church now, he's saying, um, I'm the one who holds the double-edged sword. So in other words, I'm the one who is the judge. Okay, and I judge with justice and I judge rightly. Okay, so listen to this, what he says. Uh, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Okay, so Jesus acknowledges that these guys live where Satan has his throne. Okay, so this, this is heavy, heavy, heavy persecution. Um, hardcore um, occultism. Nevertheless, verse 14, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. So not only are, is there sexual immorality, but they're also involved with pagan worship. And we're not talking about outside of the church, we're talking about people inside of their church community. In other words, the, they are tolerating not only sexual immorality, in other words, they know about it, and they're not doing anything about it, but they're also tolerating pagan worship, ancestral worship in their church community, and are not doing anything about it. Okay, it's, it's passivity 101. Likewise, you have also those teaching the Nicolaitans, repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you, and will fight amongst them with the sword of my mouth. In other words, I'm going to come and judge I'm going to come and judge you, okay? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, once again, to him who overcomes, to him who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. So not only the hidden manna, this, receive, this refers to the bread of life. This is Jesus himself. So he's saying, not only will I give you myself, okay? But I'll also give you a new name. And a name for the Jewish people is authority. I will give you myself, but I will also give you my authority. A new name. And it's written on a stone because it's permanent. It's, if, um, if you write something on paper, maybe you can crunch it up, throw it away. When, when you see anything written on a stone, it, in, in Scripture it usually refers to it's trying to make the point that it's permanent. It's non-erasable. Okay, I'm going to write you a new name in stone, and this name is going to stand for eternity. That's pretty cool, eh? I'll, I'll take one of those, huh? So, once again, it's, I am, the, I am the judge. I am the head of the church. You guys are doing great. Okay? You are persevering in very difficult times, but... You've forgotten who Jesus is, but you are tolerating sin. But if you overcome, there is hope. Here's the promise to those who persevere, to those who overcome. Okay? I will give you my name. I will give you myself. 
Um, let's go to the last church mentioned here. Uh, Theatira, to the angel, the church of, of Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. So he's not referring necessarily to a specific person in their church. Jezebel is referring to a spirit of Jezebel. And the spirit of Jezebel is a spirit of, of disunity. Right? It comes between people. It doesn't come on that crazy lady in your church. Okay? Everybody calm down. It comes between people. It seeks to divide. Okay? It seeks to split people apart. Usually with rumors. Um, uh, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food um, sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I'll cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Okay, So once again, um, sexual immorality can refer specifically to actual sexual immorality, but it can also refer to that Jesus is calling those who tolerate disunity or cause disunity, cause dissent, that they are themselves in that act adulterers. Okay, because if you have the bride of Christ and you are calling people away from that bride, essentially you are calling them away from the marriage of the covenant of the Lamb. That is adultery. Okay, so not only will Jezebel, not only will that spirit of Jezebel be, be punished, but anybody that associates with it. Okay, if you are actively pursuing to bring division between people. If you are actively pursuing division in marriage, in your own marriage, do you have, do you have the, the will, do you have the heart to bring unity between you and your wife or your husband? Or are you just complacent? Are you tolerating a spirit of disunity in your marriage? Are you tolerating a spirit of disunity in your church, in your family? Do you actively seek reconciliation? Okay, It's also once again passivity. Um, and, and the warning here is that anybody associated with this disunity will suffer as Jezebel suffers. Okay, Does anybody know how Jezebel suffered in the Old Testament? Okay, thrown to the dogs out of a window. Okay, that's going to be fun. Um, but in verse 26, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Wow. To those who seek to actively get rid of a spirit of disunity, I will give you authority over the nations. Okay? So we want... You know, we've all prayed that pray. You know, Jesus says, uh, if you ask for the nations, I'll give you. 
You, you ever heard of that? Oh, Jesus, give me the nations. Okay. What's one of the keys? Do you actively pursue relationships and reconciliation with people, to make peace with people around you? Okay? You cannot ask Jesus for the nations and yet be dissing your dad behind your back. Do you know what I mean? You cannot ask Jesus for the nations and be going, oh, you know what, I'm better than my parents, I'm better than my spouse. Does that make sense? If you want the nations, start to make peace with the people around you. So, Jesus, forgive me where I have not sought peace with my neighbors, with the people around me. Forgive me. I am at fault. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like prostrate. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. Okay? The morning star is an interesting reference um, because Satan is called the morning star. Did you know that? And uh, so his name, his Latin name, Lucifer, is, uh, means the morning star. So <clears throat> when, when it says, when it's talking about the morning star, that, that mantle and that responsibility that was once given to Satan, I'll give to you. The one who had control over the nations. Remember, this is a reference to the nations. I'll give you the nations. Who, who had the nations? Lucifer. Jesus went and got the keys from him. Remember, he's the one who has the keys. And he says, if you persevere, those keys that he had, I'll give to you. I'll, I'll give you the morning star. I've taken them back. Okay? I've just wrestled them back from him. But if you persevere, if you conquer, I'll, I'll give them to you. You'll have authority. You'll have dominion over the land. Okay? And this is part of the calling of us to, to rule and reign with Jesus. The ones that are going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus are going to be the ones who are actively um, taking up the responsibility as in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, that ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile God's people with himself. Right? Those are the people who are going to be given the keys of authority to rule and reign with Jesus uh, one day in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so it's, it's these things in the church of Ephesus. These are the things that he holds against them. He says, you forgot your first love. Okay? To the church of, of Pergamum, he says, you teach from Balaam. In other words, you allow paganistic spirits in your church. Okay? Look at the things that you're involved with. Yeah, so some of you might say, okay, yeah, but I don't, I don't allow paganism. You know, I'm obviously not praying to the ancestors. Um, yeah, sure. But where do you go when you're having a bad time? Right? What is the first thing that you run to when you're not doing well? Is it, is it Jesus? Is it the Word of God? Is it prayer? Or is it uh, TV? Is it... Is it you first run to the beach? Is it you, you run to your friends? Okay. In other words, anything that you put before God is an idol. Okay. Idol worship is paganism at its core. 
Okay? So anything that you run to, it's a good litmus test. What is the thing that you run to when you're in trouble? Do you tolerate paganism, idolatry in your home, in your life? Do you make a point, a discipline of, I, I know I'm going through a bad time. I know I want to switch off right now. I know I'm waiting for that holiday that I just had. <laughs> you ever have holiday with your family and you're like, I need another holiday? <laughs> I didn't have one of those. It was great. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then the third one is, is you tolerate disunity. Okay? And so I, I'm, I'm putting a... a a, uh, a proposition that as we start this new year, number one, we need to remember first and foremost what this is all about. Why do we get together and gather, okay? Some of you might say, well, we get here for the lost, and that's not a bad answer. Some of you say, well, it's good family time. That's not necessarily a bad answer, okay? But the first foremost reason why we get together here is for Jesus, because we want to be with him. We want to worship him. We want to hear about him. He's a cool dude. We want, to, we want to go the distance with him. And we don't want heaven unless Jesus is there as well. Right? The thing that makes heaven paradise paradise is Jesus himself. That you get to spend eternity with Jesus. And Jesus, I don't want anything unless you're involved with it. First and foremost. Number two, do an assessment on your own life. How do you, what's a good litmus test in terms of how do I know Jesus is my first? What is the first thing that you run to? Do you tolerate idolatry in your own life? Jesus, I want to be the kind of person that, that when the pawpaw hits the fan, when things are going wrong, I know that you are the rock that I stand on. Right? And let me tell you, if you don't get this one right, no amount of holiday is going to give you any amount of rest. Okay? And you'll always be waiting for the weekend just to have a Saturday off, waiting for a holiday just to get a break. Okay? If you do not learn, and it's a discipline, it is, it's not something that's going it's not, to, it's not something like a drug that's just going to kick in instantly. You need to discipline your body and your mind and your soul to rest in Jesus when the pawpaw hits the fan. You have to command your soul and your body to do it. And then number two, so the, this is the interesting one. When we usually let go of those first two, when we forget who Jesus is my first love or forget to go to Jesus when things are going bad, when things do go bad, we usually start pointing at the, the finger at other people. You ever experienced that? That temptation to go, it's not me, it's my wife. It's not me, it's Armour. Although that one's mostly true. <laughs> Joking. I love you with the love of the Lord. Um, right, it's not me, it's that person. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you, you're building a divide between yourselves. Right? You, 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 you're pushing them away. Maybe you win this one battle with your wife, but you've lost your wife. Does that make sense? Maybe you win this one battle with your boss, but your boss isn't going to trust you afterwards. Maybe you've lost this battle with your, with your friend, 
But next time your friend's going to be, and essentially what you're doing is you're pushing them away. This is disunity 101. Disunity is when we start to blame other people for the wrongs that we are also guilty of. Unity starts with, Father, I am a sinner. I'm the one that's messed up. Forgive me. And as you have forgiven me, so I will forgive other people. As you have loved me, so I will love other people. And I will seek peace with them. And to those who persevere, right? You will eat of the tree of life. Yeah, that means that you're going to live with Jesus for eternity. You're going to have life everlasting. You will receive the hidden manna in a new name. You will receive Jesus himself, the bread of life. You will dwell with Jesus. Not only will you live for eternity, but you will live with Jesus for eternity. That sounds like a good deal, huh? And you will receive an authority that will not be erased. And you will receive the morning star. You will receive not just authority, but authority over the nations to rule and reign with Jesus for eternity. Isn't that beautiful, eh? That's fantastic. I had this, uh, a little bit of a, a skrik over the holidays. I was uh, reading through the Ten Commandments, and I decided to do some homework on, the, on one of the commandments. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I've always, I've always glanced over that one because it always sounds like, yeah, well, that's these. I don't use, I don't swear with Jesus' name, right? I don't. Have you ever, have you ever thought that? Okay, you know, maybe the covered one, you know, that one's because yes, that that Ilux is lacquer. Eh? <laughs> Wouldn't mind one of those. Um, but this one, I've, I've never really thought much about, simply because I've always thought it's well using. Jesus' name in vain, you know? Um, and then I did a bit of homework on it. And uh, the, the, the word that, that is used there, vain, it's a Hebrew word. Um, and it can mean three things. It can mean empty, nothing, worthless, or to no good purpose. Okay? So there's four ways, essentially, to interpret this, this, this commandment. So one of them is, yes, don't swear with the name of Jesus. Another one can be, don't make a promise and use Jesus' name to, to solidify that promise. Okay? Don't go to, yes, I will be there eight, on the, 8 in the morning and on the name of Jesus I will be there. Okay? Amul knows, shucks, this is going to be a bad one. Okay? I'm already, I'm already in trouble. Um, but another way can be, that you take the name of Jesus. When you become a Christian, you die, right? You, the old is gone. The new has come. This is part of the good news. Your, your old self, which was a sinner, was worthless, did not have any worth, dies. And you are resurrected with Jesus into a new life, right? He takes on your sin. You take on his life. It's, a beautiful, it's the beautiful exchange that happens, okay? And essentially, you receive the name of Jesus on your life. That's good news. Amen? Okay? And one way in which we break this commandment where we take the name of the Lord in vain is when we, as ambassadors, through our actions and deeds, misrepresent Jesus. We take his name, and it is in vain. 
Our life does not change. We're still doing the same things. We still endeavor to bring disunity. We still tolerate idolatry in our lives. We're not really running after Jesus as our first love. And I believe, the, you know, I think I agree with almost a word for the year being uncomfortable. I believe that Jesus wants to make us uncomfortable because he is going to go to the church and he's going to say, remember my name. Do not use my, my name. We, we like to sing there's power in the name of Jesus, but do not take the name of the Lord in vain. If you choose to call yourself a Christian and walk on this door, out of this door, be careful. There's a responsibility on you to be good stewards with his name, to live a life where people can say, sure, by the way, that guy loves the people around him. He must be a Christian. By the way that he pursues Jesus, that guy must be a Christian. Unfortunately, today we live in a world where people say, that Jesus guy is lacquer, but the biggest reason why I'm not a Christian is because of the people that follow him. That is the reality of where we live today. That is people that have used the name of the Lord in vain. There is no change. There's nothing that we can point at and go, yeah, yeah, that guy's a Christian. I want to be the kind of guy, and I want, this is my prayer for each and every one of you as we're starting this year, that you will be the people that people look at and go, that person has the name of Jesus. That person has everlasting life. I want what they have because they don't seem to be bound by this world. This world can go and they'll be okay. I want to be like that. Amen.